last time I was really worried about the um, video, but there's no video. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so you ready? All right. Five, Five four, four, three, three two, two, one. One. Action. It was more difficult than it needed to be. Mississippi thing. Mississippi thing. Mississippi thing. On the other side of the screen there is uh, was Corey Christie. He's my co-host here, and I am Julian Rankin, and uh, y'all are listening in to episode two of Mississippi Thing. It's the, the podcast where we look at everything uh, culture and pop culture through the lens of the most important state in the union, I would say. <laughs> I would agree. So last time we in our pilot episode, we attacked Christmas, and, um, and, and by attacked, I mean we deconstructed Christmas. We didn't actually, uh, you know, do harm to Christmas. But did I ever tell you I, I am a veteran of the war on Christmas? <laughs> what what does that even? Oh, did you say happy holidays or? No, I was, I saw action. It was, it was, um, I was in the battle of Stocking Forge, um, super bloody battle. There was tinsel and body parts everywhere. And actually, interestingly, um, I served with the Nutcracker. Oh, there you go. He was my so commanding did, officer. Um, like in Russia? Like, did you go... To Russia and, and do Nutcracker service? Or how's that, how's that work? Yeah, you know, he was a soldier. If, if I know my ballets correctly, I think he was a soldier, right? And um, he's actually a really, he's a brilliant military mind. But if I'm being honest, his personality was a bit wooden. <laughs> All, right. All right. So that's, that's, that's the kind of podcast this is. That's the kind of humor we're bringing to it. But on the table today, uh, we decided to dive into vacations, specifically Mississippi vacations, and it being 2021, I think it's an appropriate thing because everyone's been chomping at the bit, or is it champing at the bit? I've heard champ is actually correct. I think it's chomping. Um, I've never heard champing, so yeah, I don't know, maybe. Well, y'all can fact check us on that. I always say chomping, it sounds more like I I imagine, you know, chomping, but I'm pretty sure it actually is champing. Um, That's the English major in me echoing but uh, but vacations um, appropriately because we do want to all get out of uh, you know of quarantine and start to see things. But um, Mississippi vacations is a little bit of an oxymoron. Uh, some might say because a lot of times people are trying to get out of Mississippi. Um, the way this usually works is like when you're about 18, you take a vacation away from Mississippi for about 60, 65 years, and then you die and you get brought back to the family cemetery. Um, that's kind of the life cycle of uh, a Mississippi vacation um, for a lot of the, the young people. But people do come to Mississippi. Mississippi is a wonderful state. Um, even though we have a, a little bit of self-deprecation about our flaws, um, it's an amazing place to, to visit. And um, so we're going we're gonna to dive in and, and do that. Um, anything you want to talk about um, just in terms of like vacations? When you hear the word vacation, you know, uh, in this climate, where, are you, where does your mind go to? Uh, my guy, my goes to to virtual probably. You know, you're not really allowed to do much this year. Uh, we've been trying to go to Vegas for a while, <laughs> for a year I think, to go to the opening of Meow Wolf, see some art in Vegas, and um, it just hasn't opened yet, and you just can't fly. And so we're hoping to make that happen this year uh, sometime. So yeah, um, you know, for us, uh, even in Mississippi, we're going to take some Mississippi vacations because um, they're closer, even until we can go to Vegas. But then afterwards, you know, to give all of our tourism partners a plug, uh, people from outside the state, you should definitely come here. 
Um, but what we're going to do is uh, we're going to we're going to sort of draft, if you will, not not quite a fantasy draft, but Corey and I each have three vacations, and um, and so we're mine are in no particular order, but. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say about Mississippi, you know, people will give it like a bad rap. And so it's kind of a good thing if you're if you've never been on a Mississippi vacation. It's kind of like fool's gold. You know, like you have such low expectations, uh, but it still sparkles. You know, you get your you get more for your money. So I, I would encourage everybody to to take the uh, take heed our uh, advice. And um, even if you have a different idea of what a, your Mississippi vacation is, hop in there, go, you know, 10 miles or 100 miles or. Um, the whole length of the state and find some interesting enclave to visit because there there is a lot to see. Yes, and if you're in Mississippi, I think a lot of people, like you said, we have, might have a, a poor attitude about our own state, but if you're here, there's a lot of a great stuff to go out and see. Um, you know, you say in five miles, ten miles, like that really hits home because, you know, here on the coast, people are like, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to do for this group, there's nothing to do for me, and there's more to do than you can do, but you refuse to do it. So let's change that attitude a little bit, get people out and explore what we got. Right on. Uh, so mine are, I'm going to go ahead and tease it. Mine are going to have a bit of a theme. Um, so I got my three vacations. There's a little bit of a time traveling theme. I figured that was appropriate since, you know, like, like, like William Faulkner said, the past is never dead. It's not even past. So to kind of, you know, Mississippi lives in this weird purgatory of time. I feel like you can, you can kind of go back in time um, if you kind of tool around the state. And then also, uh, mine has a little bit of a life and death, uh, kind of morbidity to it. Uh, because I, I do also feel like in Mississippi, uh, everything is kind of polarized in, ter- in the sense that, you know, you feel like either historically or maybe in the present moment, you're a little closer to the edge, right? Like that you're on the fringe of, um, you know, of, of America. And, and if, if you make a wrong turn, you could just disappear. Like we have ghosts here. We've got Panthers, we got Klansmen, we got all you can eat fried food buffets. Those are all very deadly things. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a deadly place, which is why we're called the hospitality state. So, um, before we go, I'm going to let you go first, but I, I did, I did look back and, um, and just did a little bit of research about travel in the 20th century. I was trying to figure out what people were thinking about Mississippi and the tourism landscape in like the fifties and sixties. And uh, so I found one brochure and it was talking about 7,000 miles of smooth, well, well paved um, and well-marked highways. That was the the big selling point. So, you know, we do have roads that are paved uh, for those who we got them roads. Yep. Yes. So, I mean, that still holds, that's a big attraction. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, really, we also, I was looking at some of the guides. So back in the, you know, in the 30s, there was the WPA guide, which they did for every state. And here's what the, it said about Mississippi. It said, to the visitor, Mississippi offers modern methods of agriculture in the northern Delta region, a playground on the Gulf Coast, and some of the finest examples of old plantation architecture in Natchez and its other historic towns. So, you know, a little bit. Uh, not too exciting, but that gives you a sense of some of the geography. And, um, and then the other thing I looked up because I was just interested was, you know, part of that whole period was also when the green book came out, which of course was the, um, the travel guide for African Americans, because a lot of the traditional travel, uh, guides and just just different offerings weren't available um, back in the thirties. And so back then, 
there were only hotels identified in six towns in the 1939 edition that would uh, that would house black travelers. So kind of crazy, but uh, but that's a little bit of the history of travel in Mississippi. So you got to keep that in mind as you're going around. Um, but yeah, we, we have we have all the modern amenities these days. Yeah, um, and that uh, reminds me of something I cannot believe I didn't think of in this research. But I have this book that was produced in 1912 um, that is a train trip across the coast. And it's a tourism piece, but it's like a book. And it's um, wonderful because it's like falling apart. It's brown um, at this point. It was produced by a church. And it takes you on a train trip across the coast city by city. So it starts on the east or sorry, the West, the Bay St. Louis, and makes its way across and explains each little city and what you can do in the cities. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I talk about some of that in one of my draft picks, so I'll leave it, I'll wait, but, but it's a very interesting piece, and it, it sounds like it's a little more exciting than what you dug up there with the agriculture feature of the Delta. <laughs> but, um, it's, it, you know, we have been welcoming people here for a while, and it uh, sounds like also we might have picked something similar based on your descriptions there too, but that's okay. Um, but if you want well, me to start, I can yeah, start. go for it. And I didn't do themes, but I tried to be outside of the one very obvious one that I think everyone would expect me to pick. Uh, I tried to be kind of uh, creative with it and base it on the way that I travel, which is I try to adventure as much as possible. So if I go on a, on a trip, you know, for example, we took a 15 day train trip across the country. We've done bikes across southern cities, small southern cities. Um, and things of that nature. So I want to keep that in mind because that's what I enjoy. So I'm going to try to keep it the same. But I'm going to start with a, 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 an oddity, a cultural oddity, a geographical oddity um, here in the state that I experienced a couple years ago. Um, went for work, but ended up being one of the most unique experiences, if nothing else. <laughs> um, which is probably the best thing I could say about it is that it's unique, but I think you should go if you haven't been and check it out for the Neshoba County Fair. It um, happens over a few weeks in July, or two weeks, I believe, in July, um, and it is just something else. So I think it gets popularity from the political aspect. Uh, Ronald Reagan spoke there to launch his campaign in 1980, and ever since, I think it's been kind of a big deal. But I was lucky to be there for the political day, and I'll tell you, it's something. Uh, They are up there, fire and brimstone at the podium, and just going for it. And it starts at 10 with, like, your kind of local politicians that maybe haven't spoken so much and it just ramps up to the vets um, and finishes with the governor candidates. And it was amazing. But outside of that, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of like a a throwback to old style politics. I think it's been going, I I don't even know when it started, but it feels like it's been going for at least, you know, 150 years or something because, you know, the way it's all set up is there's these cabins and people kind of, if you have a cabin, you're kind of camped out there, but you know, back in the day when before there was like cable news and stuff, you had to go hear your politicians speak. And so it's sort of a throwback to that aspect of it. And uh, and also notoriously, it's like you, you've never sweated so much as like at the Neshoba County oh, Fair, you know. It is hot. They don't have that coastal breeze up in Neshoba County, let me tell you. Um, but yeah, the cabins are interesting. It's like all shotgun style, you know, on top of each other. So it's like those three story shotgun shack, basically, but it's this fancy cabin. Um, apparently you can only inherit them. You can't even buy your way in. Um, and there's a rodeo, there's horse races. I think Trace Atkins was supposed to be the headliner this year to kind of set the stage of what you can expect when you get there. But, uh, the most interesting thing I thought there's really nothing to do. If you're not in a cabin, uh, there's not, there's like two food vendors. There's like a drink vendor. It may even be a dry County. Um, 
but it's just it's worth it to spend a day or two just to see the oddity that it is and the uniqueness and i would highly suggest going to politics day <laughs> to check it all out but that's my first one um, just as something i don't think could be more unique to mississippi and to the to the world probably just uh third week of july next year i know you're nothing to do go up to the show bacani and check that out yeah, that's a really good one. My, I used to have some friends and when I was younger that would always go to the Neshoba County Fair, and that was back when I didn't have any concept of what it was, and I thought it was, you know, sounds like it's going to be like a fair with clowns, and um, there are a lot of clowns, but they're like the political variety. <laughs> yes, um, and the people are interesting. I mean, it's the swath of Mississippian, you know, probably exactly what you expect, <laughs> so it, it's, it's something. Well, I think that that's a good segue to one of mine, and, and uh, it goes back to, like, vacations are about places, but they're also about, like, the people and the character, and if you have a unique community of folks, you're going to have a unique vacation, and so that's a great one. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and pick for my first one, the Delta, just overall. So, um, you know, the, the great, the Mississippi Delta, you don't even have to, it has its own reputation, and, and it's not one thing. I mean, there's a lot of different, there's count, different counties and towns and, and uh, places you can find, but it has such a unique history, you know, being on the river and then, um, you know, having like the Chinese um, immigrant population. So there's all these interesting Chinese groceries and the hot tamales, so the food. There's like an interesting Mexican uh, labor meets you know, African-American labor meets kind of the agricultural history, and um, that bears itself out in the food what's the story behind the tamales because that is a big thing i think everybody knows about the tamales in the delta and i have no idea how that got there yeah i mean to the best of my knowledge it's uh it, it, as sim- the simple story is that you know mexican migrants this would be in like the you know early 20th century i would say um came up to the delta to work you know in, in all the agricultural operations and then they brought their um you know their tamale recipes and then because the delta is primarily african-american you know, anytime a food comes to a place and it gets the cultural diffusion happens and it becomes part of the, you know, the, the wider culinary landscape. So now like in Greenville, they have a hot tamale festival each year. Yeah. And, um, and there's all these like tamale makers, um, mostly black families, um, that are taking what was, you know, again, this Mexican in, influx, uh, and then they're, they're turning it out and, and there's a ton of small businesses that just like churn out hot tamales. Nice. I gotta, I gotta go check that out. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. And so, yeah, but whether you're there for like something like the Hot Tamale Festival or the Blues Festival, obviously it's the birthplace of the blues. But the number one activity in my mind, if, if there was like a number one activity on TripAdvisor for the Delta, it would be getting lost. Just like straight up getting lost. <laughs> the, the, every time I've been, uh, the, you know, the service is spotty. It's getting better now with, you know, 4G and 5G. But, um, over the years, the decades, I used to live there, and, and every time revisiting it, you're never going to have good service. So you, it's the only place where you really need like an old-time map. And even then, the roads you're trying to find aren't on the map. And so it's it, that's part of the, the beauty of going to the Delta is you, you're going to get lost, and you should embrace getting lost. Which goes back to what I was saying earlier. Is it can be a little scary if you get lost, but ultimately the people there um, are, you know... Pretty, pretty much amazing uh, characters and all of the, one of the challenging uh, or one of the challenges you should give yourself is don't stop at any chain establishments because you can find so many interesting places, whether it's food or gas stations or, you know, grocery stores, places that have names that you've never heard before because they're not affiliated with any franchise. And, and that's where you really find kind of the most interesting little tidbits. Um. 
Yes, I've, I've spent very little time in the Delta. I think we hit on that last, um, last podcast, but on my way to and from the show, but I did make a point to eat at the gas stations um, with just the little who knows what fried chicken stand. And I was not disappointed either time. So, and also I wish it's, it's a bad thing. I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a lawyer or a judge or somebody from the Delta that does reviews of gas station fried chicken. And he does it on the tailgate of his truck, records a little review, has like, like a set of rules that he uses. And it's pretty amazing. I mean, like 30 people watch the videos on YouTube, but it's worth every second of it. Uh, he was down at the coast actually recently doing it, but my next one kind of, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, I need to check him out. And I did, I did want to tag one, one place in the Delta, just an example of the kind of place you'll find. So like, if you go, if you're going into Cleveland, um, and for those, again, we just got to say, who aren't from Mississippi, the Delta is not on the coast. It's not the River Delta near the opening of the Mississippi River. It's northern and um, kind of you know western where all the, the farmland is. But if you're going into Cleveland, Mississippi, and, uh, and this would be coming from like Jackson, so going north into the Delta, there's a, a spot that I always stop and either take pictures of or go inside, and it's called Despot. D-A spot. And Despot, uh, this is again, from, this is their own description. They've got everything you want and everything you need. And uh, that includes uh, oils. This is again from their, the, the, the mural that's painted on the side of their building. They got oils, clothes, sunglasses, handbags, hats, and most importantly, etc. The etc. <laughs> is the key because they, they'll have mannequins outside, all kind of leopard print cat suits, uh, CDs of like local hip hop artists. And so I would just recommend. Um, I'm hope they're hope they're weathering okay during the pandemic. But the spot, uh, I think it's a timeless uh, little classic spot, and uh, it's just indicative of all the little places you can find. So that's my number one is the Delta. And just one more thing, if you want to see anything about, um, I mentioned life and death, ton of gravestones, blues markers, Robert Johnson's grave. Uh, he's rumored to be buried at at least three different locations, but it's Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church um, on Money Road is the official place where people are pretty sure that's him and, and there's one thing i know you can do in the delta as a, as a musician growing up in mississippi like robert johnson you can go up there and sell your soul and become the greatest guitar player in the world so i haven't uh built up the courage or even the interest honestly in doing that just yet but we'll see how the rest of my days go um but again that plays right into my next one and it is the mississippi blues trail so that's my, my number two pick um and again, it plays to adventure because they're literally all throughout the state, uh, big cities or towns, I guess, in, in Mississippi. Uh, there's several along the coast and you can just follow that right up uh, through the, to the Delta and pick your own route even. So it makes it kind of fun, but it's just markers um, of significant happenings in the blues with uh, Robert Johnson's, uh, where he lays to rest is one of them, where B.B. King was born is one of them. Um, here on the coast, you know, the drummer from the Allman Brothers uh, is from the coast. So he has a blues marker in Ocean Springs, Jelly Roll Morton in Biloxi. So there's just all these very interesting things. And we have such a long list of famous blues musicians. Um, you could hardly go through them all, but just a few here. You know, so I mentioned B.B. and Robert already, but Albert King, Bo Diddley, um, Muddy Waters, Holland Wolf, Bobby Rush, um, and one who I like to think about because he had this weird little uh, effect on the blues, but... Um, Ike Turner is from Mississippi, and he uh, had an early role in distortion and rock and roll, so look that up. Yeah, I feel like, where where is his uh, marker? Do you know? I'm trying to remember where Ike was at. 
uh, I can't remember uh, it. I can't remember. It's, it's one of those hard to pronounce Mississippi towns. But um, he ended up in Memphis, you know, like everybody went north, which is unfortunate. But, you know, we talk about Mississippi being the birthplace of so many things and, the, and rock and roll is, you know, a definite thing you can track back to Mississippi. And this is a great way to learn about that and see the whole state where you're at. But you can, there's an app. So there's an app with, with, that you can look up, just uh, Mississippi Blues Trail on your iPhone or imagine any other device. And there's a, a playlist on Spotify. So you can go in there and listen to the Mississippi Blues Trail playlist. Um, but I found out about this from a guy, like just a guy I ran into literally standing outside of Biloxi, who uh, I guess knew me from high school somehow, but he's an older guy. And uh, he was like, hey, how about the Mississippi Blues app? Check this out. <laughs> so I did. And it shows you a picture of all the markers. It shows every name on there. It has the coast is listed outside Mississippi some, for some reason, uh, which I appreciate. <laughs> but, uh, but that's my number two. I think it's a great way to learn about the state and really speaks to, you know, what Mississippi thing's about and, and getting out and you know, how we've influenced the world so, so much in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, and I love how that they they are all over the state, and like you said, they have one a couple of them that are even beyond because of the blues and all of you know the music has has gone so far. When I was living in Shaw, Mississippi, which is another little Delta town, uh, Honey Boy Edwards was from Sh- from Shaw, so that's that was our guy, and I think he um, he was around when Robert Johnson was, so he had like a connection to Robert Johnson because Robert Johnson, you know, he's so mysterious. He only, you know, cut a few songs and, um, you know, his myth really outlived him uh, to a great degree. But but Honey Boy Edwards was was uh, friends with him. And and yeah, it's just like what you can do by putting a, a sign in the middle of a field, which a lot of them are. And again, that goes like you're saying, perfect to, to what I was saying, because you will get lost. If you try to go find all the blues markers, it doesn't matter how many uh, apps you've got. The, the The beauty of it is you will get lost and eventually you'll find your way to them. And then you can sort of feel the you know, the presence of these guys and gals, um, you know, just in the land, which is part of what makes Mississippi so cool. Uh, all right, so I tried to use my blues app here to look up where Ike Turner's from, and he has, looks like 12 different markers throughout Mississippi, uh, but it looks like Clarksdale, maybe, is where he yeah, is Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I was in Clarksdale uh, about a year or two ago, and someone was telling me that, like, Ike was... Uh, there was an uh, an intersection between Ike Turner. They had like a, a a little blues club there, and Bobby Kennedy had stopped in, and there was some apocryphal, perhaps true, story about about them. So that makes sense. All right, number two, I'm gonna I'm gonna come down here and stick to uh, to the Gulf Coast, and um, and I'm actually gonna do Horn Island. So you know the Wilderness Island off the Mississippi coast here. And uh, part of why I wanted to do this was because it's a true escape from from modern life, from uh, from anything technological. It's the 10-mile-long, mile-wide island that um, Walter Anderson, the artist, famed artist, visited. But it's just a, it's like another world, and it's only 15 miles uh, at its most, about 12 miles, maybe a little less, at its uh, smallest uh, point away from, from, uh, from the coast. So if you leave from Pascagoula, like we did one time, you can actually canoe out there, uh, which I wouldn't recommend necessarily unless you have a whole bunch of folks with you. But you can actually do it that way and spend a whole day like on the water, see all the all the the wildlife. When we were out there, we camped for a while. So if you're going to go out to Horn Island, you need to stay overnight. And we were, uh, like I said, canoeing. You can bring your kayaks, and just like when the sun goes down and you're out in the 
Gulf of Mexico on the south side of the island. It's like planet Earth or something. All these pelicans start diving. The dolphins are jumping up. Um, all these different birds and beasts of the, the, the sky and the water are feasting on things. And if you're out in the water in, in a boat, a small boat like that, they, they don't really pay you much mind. So you really feel like you're in the thick of it. So I would definitely recommend people do that. And, you know, while you're coming down here, though, if you're not, um, you know, if you're not a local that's already here nearby and you're coming down to visit, there is just an interesting bit of history. You should probably stop at the casinos and do all the fun stuff, you know, and, and this is reminiscent, which I know you know this story about how the coast used to be, you know, the place where the mob came for their vacations. So I thought, you know, yep. you, got, you got to come down to the coast anyway, but to, to, to understand that, you know, the, like the Gulf Hills Hotel, for example, was built with mob money and they had it all planned out. It was on the water so that if they, the cops came from one direction, they could get in their cars. If they came from the other direction, they could hop in the boat. And, uh, and Elvis too was a, was a frequenter at that spot. So, you know, I think you, you, you need to go. The mob and, and Elvis too. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the mob and Elvis, that's sort of the, <laughs> there's not really much difference between, between the, the two of them. If you think about, I mean, you, you talk about Vegas, Elvis, you, you want to go to Vegas. Uh, it's all, it's all part of the same narrative. Yeah. He's a Mississippi boy for sure. So I spent a lot of time on Horn Island, um, all summer, basically about there, uh, with kids. So that's fun, but it is really a magical place. Uh, we were one trip, the dolphins, I mean, there's always a ton of dolphins out there just hanging out, but probably a school of about 30 of them just were with us the whole time we we're out there hanging out. And um, putting on a show, like I swear they knew we were there or I don't know, or they were trained and released or something. It was just amazing with the, the, the things they were doing. But um, it's a great place to go hang out. Now, I'm, I'm very jealous that you've canoed out there. I want to do that badly. Uh, I've, always, I've always wanted to kind of get out there and do that, but I don't like to camp. So I got to reconcile that somehow, like figure out how to get out there and maybe leave. <laughs> Right. And if you are camping, you know, you got to, some people don't like to camp because they don't, you know, they're afraid of the dark or they don't like sand getting in weird places. But you got to know that if you are camping out there, you're digging your own bathroom. That's a big thing to, to tell people on the front end. <laughs> and the, the cool thing about Horn Island, which is also a, kind of the a, sort of the downfall of what we've done to the environment, but you know, beachcombing is awesome. You can find a lot of interesting things, uh, both organic objects, but then also just stuff that you know, has, uh, has been caught by Horn Island from everything that, you know, people do out in the Gulf of Mexico and elsewhere. Like I, I found, uh, helmets from the oil rigs. So we, uh, you can find that kind of stuff. TVs. I found a power wheels, Jeep, some kids power wheels, which was weird. How in the world does that happen? Who knows, man. And, uh, and Walter Anderson actually had a quote. He was there, there for a hurricane. Obviously he, he, um, he liked to, just feel the brunt of nature. But after the hurricane came through and he was out on Horn Island, he called it all the different uh, kind of piles of stuff and debris. He said it was a Louisiana house cleaning at the expense of Mississippi. So <laughs> that's probably where the goodwill, the big wheel came from. Yeah. It can't, yeah. The, the, the power wheel came from new Orleans. Um, somehow got out there from a, from, from Mardi Gras parade or something. Uh, and there is quite the history out there with world war two and, of course, Walter, and there's a lot of stuff. So study up on Horn Island and, um, and figure out. I know Walter even, you know, got what parts of ships that he uh, block printed on or used to carve and do carvings on and, and all kinds of interesting stuff. You know, Mississippi is just full of those little tidbits. So 
Yep. And the cool thing about it, about it being a wilderness is, uh, you know, no one, you, there's no tour guide. So you got, you do got to read up and do your own research, but also there's no one stopping you from doing anything. And I feel like in Mississippi, yep. that's the, uh, that's the most attractive thing about it is that you can kind of just go wherever you are. And very few people are going to tell you to turn around. You know, the, the, there are some, some private property and, you know, shotgun wielding folks you don't want to get too close to without letting them know you're there. But, um, other than that, you can kind of step over the, the, you know, the proverbial line and, and just kind of venture out. And most people would don't really care. Just stay away from the moonshine stills and you're safe. Yeah. Right. That's, that's where the shotguns come in usually, you know, otherwise you're good to go. <laughs> so what do you got next? All right. So my third one, um, might be the most obvious thing you ever hear on this podcast, but, uh, uh, my third place is Biloxi, specifically not the coast, but Biloxi, and it's without casinos. So, so you got to come down to Biloxi. Uh, we have a ton of stuff. I have, I have as many notes on this as I had for everything else combined, uh, or double actually. But um, you know, it, it really is a little hidden gem down here, right in the theme of Mississippi. Um, you know, there's a lot of negative connotations with the state. Um, and I feel like as a coast, we're always fighting that. It's like, come see us instead, come do this and then come check us out. But just the variety of things from the food, the culture, the, um, all the outdoors things. We talked about the islands a little bit and uh, right here from Blux, we have Deer Island, just right off the coast. You can rent a paddleboard or a kayak or, or get a friend with a boat and be out there in five minutes. Um, you know, you're out in the wilderness, like in the middle of nowhere, um, seeing dolphins and you can go out there and throw a cast net and, and do all these wonderful Biloxi things. Feed yourself. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, museums. Yeah. I was going to say, on the feeding yourself, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of La Bakery. I can't, can't recommend it enough. Go to La Bakery, which is the, you know, the, the Vietnamese meets French, uh, beautiful. Uh, bakery. Oh, man. So good. The Bon Mies, which, you know, they're basically po' boys. But um, all the pastries, I just, I go there way too much. Um, so we're real right in the food then on that. So, so the bakery, definitely on the list. One of my favorite places to go, but the, uh, just the ethnic food overall. So Vietnamese, anytime somebody asks me, you know, tourists ask me where they should go eat. I said, we do two things really well. It's Vietnamese and seafood. So, so pick one of those. Um, Kim Long, we have Vang Tao, which is named after the place. I think where, where most of the Vietnamese people that ended up here came from. Um, but then we have this little, the weird odd spot in Biloxi on Pass Road, um, just west of Gate 7 where we have Mr. Greek, which I think is the best Mediterranean you can get around here. La Nortenia is on the other side, but it's, the Mexican is just unbelievable. The Sicilian too. There's a Korean restaurant and, um, and our, for Biloxi culture, the Project Lounge, all within like a quarter mile of each other. Um, it's this little weird like cultural hotspot of the world, really. You get all these different foods and all top notch. Like you're not slacking off at it and on any of them. What's the project um, lounge? Even, oh, or, or, is this a real question? Yeah. Oh man, I'm, so sad. I'm educating you here. So the project lounge is a tiny little smoke filled bar that is for many, many years been known to have the best burger and steak sandwich um, on the coast. Um, you know, they won all the, the awards and all the things. A lot of it's nostalgic, honestly. But you go in there, they got the, the dollar bills on the ceiling. Um, you can go by there at eight o'clock in the morning and, and walk right in like it's midnight and uh, enjoy yourself a burger. Uh, but it's just an all night long, which is a very Biloxi thing, you know, the bars being open all night long. Um, and it's just uh, stalwart. It's been here since for as long as I can remember. I know um, when I was in 
you know, late high school, college years. We were going in there getting burgers at the middle of the night, steak sandwiches, but it's just, it's wonderful. It's just from just north of the tracks on uh, Iberville. Nice. So go, go check that out. And then also, wasn't but, Barks, Barks Root Beer born in Biloxi? Yes. So Barks Root Beer born in Biloxi. We don't do a great job of talking about that, but uh, the house is still over on Keller Avenue. You can go check that out. We've got art with uh, George Orr and Dusty Bonjay, and you can go see all that all on one property over there at the Oral Keith Museum. Um, of course, the history at the Maritime Museum, and that's everything from a little bit of mob stuff, because we do talk about illegal liquor a little bit, um, the seafood industry. Um, we started, you hit on the mob business, we started as a tourism place before anything, and then ended up uh, with seafood and where we are now with the tourism. Uh, we have the Mardi Gras Museum, the Fire Museum, uh, baseball. Uh, more events, you know, we have, of course, Mardi Gras cruising, Black Beach Week, Scraping the Coast, Jeeping the Coast, the Crawfish Festival. Um, so that spreads across most of the year. You can come here and get a good festival. Um, so there's just more that you can do here. Like I said, there's uh, something for just about every appetite. You can spend two, three days here easily without having to think about going to a casino, which I think is something people don't think about. Um, and then if you're feeling... Like you just have an extra day or something, you just need to kill some time. You can go across the bridge, check out Ocean Springs <laughs> and, and their beautiful little downtown and the art they, that they have over there. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a very, you, 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 you as a Biloxi representative, you've got a casino mindset, even though you're not talking about the casinos, because the casino, they want you to go into the casino and never leave. So you just want people to come into yes. Biloxi and you don't want them to ever leave. You're like, well, on the way out, you can check out some of the other towns. But meanwhile, I want you to look exactly, at all of our yes. sparkly lights and everything else. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we got you from morning to night, so you could come over here and, and party until 8 in the morning, go take a nap, and then hit the town. Um, but that's, that's why we do it over here. Check out the, the public art that we got and all that good fun stuff. So, but that's my number one. Uh, come for a festival. Come for the beach. Come for the food. Just don't come for casinos. Come for anything else. <laughs> Love it. I, I hate all the, all the coverage of Biloxi. It's a casino town. It's a this town. But we got way beyond that, way beyond that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the, the history is much longer than the, the casinos have been here. You know, there's so much more more culture there. So, and that's where that's your kind of hometown. So I'm gonna end it out. My uh, my top one is gonna be um, it's gonna be Oxford, Mississippi, but not just Oxford uh, in in the modern day. It's Oxford, Mississippi in the 1990s. So this is my time traveling, uh, officially time traveling back in time. <laughs> Um, you know, everyone loves Oxford, Mississippi now. It's where the University of Mississippi is. It gets voted, you know, one of these best college towns, uh, top of the list, you know, nearly every year in like the, the country. And that's all well and good. But really, the golden years of Oxford uh, were in the 1990s before uh, before everything got overbuilt. And I uh, still love it today. But that's that's when you need to, get to go to it. You need to get in your DeLorean and go to probably about <laughs> 1994, a year after you know, Jurassic Park came out and, you know, you're, you're, you're in the thick of the 90s. So um, here, I'm going to tell you why. So you, back back then, if you go to an Ole Miss football game, of course, there's the tailgating. But the, the greatest part about that, uh, the games back then is, you know, the, the stadium was still kind of old school. Like there were bleachers in the end zones. So if you're a kid, you can run around under the bleachers. You know, you can hang your legs literally over the um, into like the end zone area. It was not this you know, mega industrial uh, kind of college football entity at the time. It was more, you know, more what it's about, which is, you know, the, the game and, uh, and all the, the celebration around the game. So um, that's, that's one thing you got to do. You got to, you got to, you got to go and, and hit up the, you know, the campus, check out some football. And again, this is 1994 or five. And, um, and then on the square, 
So go shopping up there on the square. And this, this was just a few memories of, of mine. Yeah, I grew up going into Square Books, which is one of the best independent bookstores in the country. So it's, it's sort of the anchor, in my opinion, of the, the downtown Oxford Courthouse Square. And, um, but they also have some other cool places. Like there's a, an old department store called Nielsen's. And we used to always go in there and never buy anything because we were kids. But, um, but I remember there was a movie you that were came 10, out. 10 years old. Yeah, 10 years old, if y'all have listened 10, to the previous podcast. Always yes. 10. And, uh, and there was a movie called uh, uh, The Gun in Betty Lou's Handbag, which was shot primarily, or at least partially, in, uh, in Nielsen's. So, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the movie was about, but there, I know there was a, a pistol involved and a lot of my friends were extras in it. And, um, and in, but that, that leads me to, you know, the real kind of charming 1990s Oxford. You should probably go there as a 10-year-old kid, I guess, um, or go there and have 10-year-old kids so you can get the full experience. Because back then, John Grisham, you know, the famed writer, was, uh, was still living in Oxford and coaching peewee soccer. So, um, you know, you got, you got your Parks Commission Soccer League and you got John Grisham on the other side. He had the, the, the killer squad. I remember he had all the really good kids. Um, I was actually on the other team. Uh, we got crushed by Grisham's team. But still, you know, you've got the, get the personalities that made Oxford. They're still living there. And my claim to fame in terms of my childhood home was, uh, was that when A Time to Kill was filmed, it was going to be filmed in Oxford. They ended up filming in a different Mississippi town, Canton, Mississippi, which is north of Jackson in the middle of the state. But, um, but they actually rebuilt. They were scouting locations, and they rebuilt our childhood home in Oxford, uh, a replica of it, and then burned it down in the movie. It was Matthew McConaughey's house. So we had the director come and check out our – Joel Schumacher came by, and they liked the, the look of the home. So they rebuilt it, burned it down, and so when you watch A Time to Kill – um, you can see my childhood going up in flames. <laughs> well, that's that's a pretty good little uh, story there. Um, so Oxford is a great place. I did go in the 90s once to go visit Ole Miss, um, and it was quite the, the fun weekend, but I ended up going to Southern Miss, of course. But I've also had some of the um, craziest times of my life in Oxford, which are definitely not appropriate for any other ears, but... Um, I'll tell you, that town can be very, very fun. And there's a lot of great music from there. I don't know about, you know, um, a couple of folks that ended up in widespread panic from Oxford. Um, you know, the North Street All-Stars are close-ish by, uh, but that's all around that area. So it's a, that's a very interesting place beyond the college being there and all the writers in there. Just a, a yeah, yeah, huge amount of writers it, that are from there. It's endless, yeah. And so, I mean, if you're if you're like on a, on a late night bender uh, from the bars and the bars close, and you and you want to have one more drink, you know, if you go down to William Faulkner's grave, which was about a hundred yards from where we lived, it was we were ne- we lived next to the cemetery, which is probably why I have this obsession with uh, with ghosts, is because we lived right next to the cemetery. But Faulkner's grave, you'll you'll go down there, and there's always you know Jack Daniels bottles sitting on the grave. Everyone wants to drink with William Faulkner. Um, so that's how you can end your night. If, if the bars close, you can get one more drink in you. And, uh, and yeah, the music, man. Um, I, I remember, uh, trying to learn guitar lessons. Uh, we, we kind of talked about in our Christmas episode, we each got guitars as children and I never quite learned to play mine, but, um, but George McConnell, um, Kudzu yeah. Kings, he, and he, uh, and he, he had a, a guitar st- shop there when we were younger, uh, called Django's. So man, yeah, that, that was, if you go there in the, in the, the peak the peak time, the the mid '90s, right before Eli Manning came and everything got built up, that's when you really capture the spirit. Freaking Eli, I tell you what. Um, and then you also had so George, you had Kerry Hudson, who still yep. tours around the state. Um, 
the fellow who played bass for Wilco was from there. I don't know if you listen to Wilco at all, but... Um, totally. They, they're a bass player. Um, so, yeah. And, and some others, what, Sunvolt, I think he might have played with also. And he's, he's a big all-country fellow. But, uh, so, yeah, very interesting little town there. Yeah, um, and Brian Ledford, who's another musician, he, he actually was the... He and George worked there together. Brian was technically the guy who, uh, who taught me how to play the guitar or didn't teach me because uh, I wasn't a good student. But he, I remember he scared scared me, scared the hell out of me one day because he was trying to get me to cut my fingernails because if you're going to learn to play guitar, you can't really, at least as a kid, you can't really manage it if you got your you know, your fingernails too long. And so he was telling me if I didn't cut my fingernails, he was going to you know cut them for me. And he said, and the last time I did this to a kid, I uh, cut too deep and his fingers were bleeding all over the place. And so from then on, um, I definitely cut my fingernails. So he didn't teach me to play guitar, but he did teach me about grooming, keeping my fingernails right. Well, hygiene's always good. Yeah, yeah. hygiene's top notch. I appreciate that. So uh, to recap, let's see. T- tell me your. Let's start from the top. Tell me your three, two, one. What 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 we get? So in no particular order, but uh, Neshoba County Fair. So get up there and uh, get yourself a very unique, one of a kind experience. Uh, the Blues Trail. Give you a chance to see the whole state and learn a bunch of history and hopefully take in some, some good music along the way. And then, of course, Biloxi. Um, so Biloxi, I said in the order, but Biloxi is number one for sure. <laughs> right. Um, so Biloxi, number one. And uh, you can spend, you know, call me. I can help you spend a week here if you want. Uh, but definitely a good good long weekend's worth of entertainment. Totally. Yeah, Corey, he'll, he'll, he'll keep you in your, his living room and, and dance to make you not leave Biloxi's uh, city limits. He'll keep you there for <laughs> a week, no matter what, even if he runs out of ideas. He's, he's not whatever. letting you go patronize. Look, whatever I got to do. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll be patronizing no other towns. Um, it's going to be a running theme that Corey is, uh, is uh, a Biloxi uh, through and through at the expense of any other municipality <laughs> um, on the coast or elsewhere. <laughs> Well, cool. And then I came back with, uh, you know, my uh, my first one, which was the Mississippi Delta, just the place where you get lost. I didn't mention that that's where the, the teddy bear was born when Theodore Roosevelt went there in 1902. That was in the Mississippi Delta. So uh, no matter where you turn, a ton of history, a ton of great food, tamales and catfish and weird spots, dust spot. And then uh, Horn Island, the, the designated wilderness site, uh, crazy cool experience if you're able to get away from the mainland and and come close up with nature alligators and all kinds of uh, pelicans and osprey and eagles and that's where you need to go do it and then uh, lastly oxford in the 1990s the mid-1990s when i'm 10 years old to be specific when you can uh, rub shoulders with john grisham and all the writers uh, larry brown willie morris barry Hanna, um, so on and so forth um, and also of course uh, shop and and uh, go to Faulkner's house and see some crazy kids, uh, crazy kids like myself running running the town, which we certainly were were sure we were doing back then. <laughs> and to be clear, I was ten um, in 1997 too. Just okay for those taking eight notes on age, I was ten. 10. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> ten years old. Ten years old. So I, I did I did want to spring one question on you. You know, last time we did, uh, we we wrapped it up with. A Morgan Freeman or um, James Earl Jones question. Um, I got a similar but different question, a little more open-ended. So, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to highlight all the Mississippi talent that comes out of the state. So here's, here's kind of a question. I'll go first to give you time to think about it. But on all your Mississippi travels, which Mississippi ghost of uh, Mississippi past do you want riding shotgun with you? So you can have one person that was uh, called Mississippi home who's no longer with us. Hundreds of possibilities. Who do you want riding shotgun 
So I was thinking about this. First of all, um, obviously Morgan Freeman's still alive. If you're going to the Delta, Morgan Freeman uh, would be a great partner. He um, he's on the sidelines in this one. I was thinking, you know, certainly it could be Faulkner, you know, but I really didn't want to ride with William Faulkner. He would be talking in really long sentences. I would not get a word in edgewise. I probably wouldn't understand what he was talking about. You know, he would make me think too hard. I'd feel bad that I wasn't a very good English major and so forth. So uh, all due respect to the Nobel Prize winning uh, novelist, William Faulkner, he's not going to do it for me. I decided to go with Jim Henson. Yeah. So for y'all who don't know, uh, Jim Henson, the puppet master, the man who brought you the Muppets, he's going to be sitting in there riding shotgun with me, entertaining me the whole way. Um, He probably has Kermit with him, but even if he doesn't, he can do all the voices you know, he's, he's going to be the one who's, uh, who's keeping me straight as I'm getting lost and getting found again uh, as I travel around Mississippi. Uh, so that's a definite uh, great blast from the past. Speaking of being 10 years old, um, Jim Henson was a huge part of the childhood there. But um, I'm going to have to go with one of the blues guys and, and pick um, Bo Diddley. I think, um, you know, I kind of like my heroes to be similar in that I like to party a little bit. <laughs> And uh, I, th- I think we and Bo could probably find a way to have a pretty good time together, traveling around, uh, you know, going to the show of County Fair. Can you imagine <laughs> hanging out <laughs> with, with Bo Diddley walking in there um, or, or even watching the Blues Trail, um, you know, going to, to a game of Biloxi? I think that'd just be quite the big time. Maybe we could even sit down and play a little music together. So, so I'm definitely going with... Uh, he would give you all of the... the uh... The things that didn't make it on the Blues Trail plaques, yes. you know, he would say, "This isn't right." You know, I, I seen it. This was not the way it went down. And um, you know, and, and growing up as a black person in Mississippi at that time, like, the stories could just be probably amazing, and, and making it out in the way that he did. So, um, and I just noticed, I just looked down at my little Joel thing here, and I've got Robert Johnson. Oh, you can't see that probably, but Robert Johnson's on there. That is the most Mississippi thing uh, of this episode is you have a jewel, <laughs> you know, a vaping jewel for those who don't know. You got a jewel with Robert Johnson on it. That that takes the Mississippi King, uh, Mississippi thing trophy for this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep the Mississippi, you know. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, that's it. We're wrapping up again. Another, uh, another episode um, in the books. Corey Christie, co-host. I'm Julian Rankin. This has been Mississippi Thing, episode two. Y'all have a wonderful day, night, morning, wherever you are, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.